Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Um, I'm also really happy to be able to tell all of you that this episode is brought to you by Tranquility. So if you haven't heard of Tranquility yet, you need to check them out. Uh, you can actually find them at uh, Tranquility tranquility.app. If you just search that up on Google, it will take you to their website. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, therapy for, uh, sorry, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. And it helps you sort through and learn how to kind of work with anxiety. And it actually helps you reduce your anxiety. It's awesome. Um, Joel Muse, who is the one of the founders of Tranquility, He's been on my podcast twice now, so we've talked a little bit about it before, but um, I just want to say, so I've been using Tranquility for a while. When I first started using it, it's um, it's for anxiety, so I didn't really realize that I had much anxiety until I took their quiz, and it was hilarious because as I was reading it through, like kind of like it has just some information for you to read through, and I was reading it and I was just thinking like, oh, okay, well, I mean, this isn't really going to apply to me because, you know, I have depression, not anxiety. And then as I read through more and started to take the quiz, <laughs> it was just like, oh, no, I actually have a lot of anxiety and all of these things in my life that I thought were just normal actually can be worked with and improved. So that was a really nice thing to learn. And so I've been working through it. I actually have a coach um, with tranquility as well. So it's like it, you have these different sessions and then you get to like after you read through the session and you do like little quizzes and stuff to kind of help it stick. Uh, and then like you will learn how to apply these things that you've learned to your life to help reduce your anxiety. You can also uh, chat with a coach usually about once a week and they but I mean they um, they talk with you and kind of see what works for you. And then you get to talk with them. You get to talk through some things. Uh, just kind of get more help with uh, figuring out how to really apply these practice uh, these practices and really help you with anxiety. So you don't have to have a coach. I like, I mean, I recommend getting a coach. I have one and it's just awesome. And um, yeah, so just make sure to check them out um, at Tranquility app or tranquility.app. So uh, things have been good this week. I'm, I feel a little wound up today just because I've been doing a lot of rushing around and this is the first time that I've really just kind of sat down. So my mind is still kind of going quick and I feel like I'm just talking really quickly. <laughs> but, um, but I'm good. I'm excited. This weekend I get to go to Cape Breton. I get to participate in the Creatives Weekend that's put on by Lee Frazier. Uh, Lee Frazier, who has Live Life Intense. He actually has a podcast as well, Live Life Intense. You should definitely check it out. I got to go on it. And he's just a brilliant, he's a brilliant person and also very kind. So he puts on this weekend, um, I think it's a few times a year. It's a creatives weekend and I haven't been to one. I haven't been able to go to one yet. My husband's been to a few and has always loved them. So I get to go this weekend and I actually get to speak at it and I get to do a live podcast with Lee at it. And uh, I'm very, very excited. It's sold out. So um, if you're hoping to go to go to one, keep your eyes open for next time uh, and check out Live Life Intense. And it's like, tent as in you go tenting in tents very clever name um yeah so that's what's happening this weekend I got to do a podcast with Ren 
she talked with me about her experience with borderline personality disorder. So I've gotten to have three people on my podcast so far who have been diagnosed with BPD. And every time I get to learn a little bit more about what it's about, because I find that it's something, at least for me, and I think this is pretty common, it's not really talked about a lot. And there are a lot of misconceptions about it out there. So it has taken me quite a bit, quite a few conversations with people for me to kind of start understanding what it is. And Ren is so articulate and she's really good at explaining things in a way that helps you understand like because she like draws comparisons. So it it really helped me like be like, oh, now that that makes sense. I can relate to that. So, you know, it helps you understand it better. She's also like incredibly talented. Um, She's an artist and uh, like she's a a musician and she's very self-disciplined with uh, with all the things that she was talking about as far as um, like the kind of disciplining her mind to help her assess each situation um, quickly and um, accurately. It would just her ability to do that just really implies a lot of self-discipline and it's very impressive like she's very highly intelligent and and uh and clear uh very well spoken i think that you're really going to enjoy this podcast with her i really enjoy doing it with her so have a listen and we'll be talking to you soon Well, my name is Ren Kelly. <laughs> hey, Ren Kelly. Hey. Hey. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm a singer and a songwriter um, based out of Halifax. Awesome. And um, I own um, a mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a haver of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I own a mental yeah, illness. Yeah, it's mine. It's my pet. It's your pet. Yeah, I try to starve it <laughs> to make it like mm, go, go away. away. Um, but yeah, I have not heard it put that way before, and I like. I it. don't know if I've ever said it that way before. Okay, <laughs> it just it just kind of came out that way. I like it because I keep trying to like think about how to address mental illness mm. because some like everybody has a different perspective on it too, and Definitely. you're trying to be respectful of how everybody views it. Yeah, uh, but then it's kind of like well you also need to be respectful of how you view it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I own a mental illness. Yeah. Which mental illness do you own? Um, I have borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And um, in the past, I've been diagnosed with like a generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, so I, how much they play into each other. Like sometimes I'm not sure if they're really different things if they're really separate things you know what I mean or if they're actually just like kind of the same entity okay yeah is it like the same idea as um like people saying anxiety and depression going hand in hand um yeah definitely Uh, it could so for um I mean borderline personality disorder is really interesting because I think it's something like I think it's like 60 people in a room and all with BPD and all of their symptoms would 
be completely different from each other. So like they uh-huh. like they kind of like stack differently, if that makes any sense. Um, they present themselves differently. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like I and I know quite a few. It's really really common BPD actually. Um, more so anyway than a lot of people realize because I feel like it's not talked about as much. No, um, it's not. There's not a lot of um information on it even amongst the like the the, me- the medical community like it's very um almost new in the way that, that um the amount of knowledge that people have about it so i know quite a few people with bpd and um we're all very much like i can usually like spot it like to be honest like i can usually if i get to know somebody like sometimes within the first week of knowing someone i can i think that they have bpd a lot of the time okay um what are the, what are the but tells? it's all very different so there's different things there's a few main themes with bpd and it would be um i think one of the most prominent would be fear of abandonment Okay. Um, so that's like real or perceived abandonment and oftentimes like drastic measures to avoid that um, as well as um, emotional instability is a huge one. Okay. Uh, paranoia um, sometimes can lead into delusion territory a little bit. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where borderline comes from like the the term borderline because originally they said it bordered on um i don't know who they is by the way <laughs> they who, say who, whoever knows what, who they are but yeah <laughs> they say that we it kind of them. um it borders on psychosis and neurosis okay so it's like a little a little bit of both <laughs> okay so then and so what is psychosis what is neurosis so psychosis is I mean like everybody knows generally about like the the term psychopath or like I even said earlier I think um offhandedly psychotic yeah it is something that we kind of just throw around yeah um so I know that like neurosis is more to do with like the way that you're reacting to things I think Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm even a little bit, like, unsure of that, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I just know that, um, for me, like, I've personally, like, went through brief bouts of teetering on um, psychosis. And so, for me, that would look like um, being unsure of reality, almost, in a way. So, paranoia and um, not really being sure of what's real and what's not okay so how how is it that what what is it that makes you unsure of what's real and what's not ah (laughs) (laughs) so it's difficult it's difficult for me um I mean everybody is different and I mean like I'm not I'm not a genius or anything but um I consider myself to be pretty intelligent and um I have a lot of insight and for me it almost makes it a little bit more difficult than like some of my close friends who are you know ad- admittedly so not having as much insight okay so for me it's difficult because I'm aware of reality um but it's those like those thoughts in the back of my head that like well what if it's not real so for me sometimes it would be like the feeling of being watched okay um that one started when I was really really young okay. um the feeling of being watched or just like general paranoia like 
I'm constantly thinking that um, there's something wrong with me, like I'm sick or like I have a disease or just like things like that um, yeah. constantly. Uh, okay, constantly. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, just general, like people, like people are following you, people are watching you, people can hear you. Like even when you're in a room by yourself, just like the thought that like, okay, like, it's almost like it almost the way I would explain it, it almost feels like, you know, like it's something that, you know. Right. But um, you kn but at the same time, you know that it's not true. So um, the way that I would explain it to somebody who may not have um, experienced that would be. So if you're familiar at all with like having an insecurity. Yes. So like say <laughs> you have like this core belief that like you're ugly, but mm -hmm. like, you know, logically that you're not ugly. Mm -hmm. So it's like I know that I'm not ugly. But then it's like, but I am ugly. Yeah, kind of. I don't know if if you, if you get that, but like that's I totally the way. Get yeah, that. that's the way that like logically you know, but then it's at the same time like it's like a core belief of like, but but that's not true. Like it's so conflicting. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a constant like inner battle. Like so, a lot of the time it's just like. If I walk into a room in my house even and I'm totally by myself, it's like I know that there's people watching me and like listening to me and stuff. Even though I I I have the insight to be like to address that thought and like disregard it in the moment, but then at the same time it's like always back there that like, well, yeah. Sure, it's not real. Like it's just crazy. It's like always um it's like a battle in my head. Yeah. Yeah, with like their um, contradicting contradicting thoughts always always yeah. is it like because is it kind of like a but what if yeah and that's the thing too that I've um I've been more aware of lately is I think it's more of um, a defense mechanism or like a, a means to protect myself so with BPD it almost always stems from a childhood trauma or like repeated childhood traumas so whether that is um neglect abuse um abandonment like real abandonment and and I say real abandonment because I don't think that I don't believe that adults can be abandoned um if you're physically capable I feel like that is like a, a misconception kind of a dangerous misconception okay um we can touch on that later <laughs> if you want um I do I would like to touch yeah on that yeah I think that's interesting so too. for me um it's kind of like a defense mechanism in the way that like, okay, so I know nobody's following me and I can tell myself no one, like I'm walking down the street, I'm going home, no one's following me. I'm totally alone. No one can see me. But then it's like there in the back of my mind, but like, if you believe that, then you're totally letting your guard down. Like no one's following me. And the next thing you know, I'm getting kidnapped or something like, you know, what? something yeah, like that. So yeah. it's kind of always there. Um, and it ties into, you know, the fear of abandonment. It's like, okay, this person that I'm with um, romantically, I know that they're not cheating on me. I know that they're faithful. I know that they're loyal. But then it's like, well, if you believe that, you're letting your guard down and then they can do whatever they want kind of thing. So it's always, for me, tying into protecting myself. So it's almost like I have this, this inner voice trying to protect my myself and my emotions regardless of how I logically know them the thoughts and things like that to not be true okay so it's like this constant fight between logic 
and something else. Yeah. Yeah. I almost would describe it as like my inner, like an inner child almost. It's just like constantly scared and like, okay, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or like, look out for this. And then it's like my current self that has resulted in, you know, the accumulation of knowledge throughout my life and experiences is kind of arguing against that. But the core, it's the core beliefs that you have ex from what you've experienced as a child and in your youth that kind of makes these ideas come forward and like these thoughts and fears and things like that that is it's constantly trying to protect me now because it's still emotionally in the way that it was when I was a kid you know what I mean so it's like this defense mechanism that was triggered yeah I guess so yeah and then, but it's like you but to, to turn it off like is there a way to turn it off um to an extent, I mean, like I said earlier, um, I'm generally, I generally have a lot of insight. So I wouldn't say that I can necessarily turn it off, but it's a matter of not, not reacting to the feelings, right? So, and that's just something that I've experienced getting better with in the last couple of years. So say even four, four or five years ago, if I had a thought or a feeling that was reality for me. So if I thought if I was in a romantic relationship and I thought that somebody was cheating on me, whether I had evidence of it or not, I would react to that. Or if I thought that a friend was distancing themselves from me, which, you know, the fear of abandonment and things like that, just constantly um, I would react to everything, every feeling that I had, I would react to it. So to the people around me, it was like, they didn't understand because it seems like it's coming from nowhere because in reality, you know, I mean, people can't read your thoughts either. But for for somebody who if you believe all of your feelings and you're reacting to them, it comes across as out of thin air, basically, because nobody else is in your head. Right. So. Right. But to the person experiencing it and reacting to it, it's so clear of why you're reacting because you feel like it's real. So right. over the years and gaining the insight, I still have the feelings. So it's not necessarily that I can shut it off, but I can recognize the feelings and assess logically the situation and the reality of it and um, kind of come to like a rational conclusion on that. And so how do you sort how do you sort it out? Like because it's like you have your only your mind to really depend on right like do yeah. you have anybody else that you're like i know i can trust them or is it like you can only really depend on your mind and your ability to sort through this? um it's i i mostly rely on myself and just observing basically just like collecting data almost in a way of like what i'm seeing like the facts over the feelings right so yeah okay um but I mean, you know, my boyfriend now, I have the ability to come to him and say, I feel like this is happening or I feel that I am a certain way or I feel like this situation happened like this. Is that accurate? And okay. so being able to stop in in any situation, really being able to stop and just like even kind of having the courage to ask the people around you, like, this is the way that I feel. Is this accurate? Like, am I am, am what I'm picking up on? Am I wrong? Well, I shouldn't say wrong because I don't really feel like feelings are necessarily wrong. Hmm. But am I incorrect in my assumptions that I've taken from the situations that have 
happened. Ah. Oh. <laughs> That's really wise. Do you find that it's like so you so you would trust your boyfriend to be able like your current boyfriend yeah. to be able to be like yeah. yes this is yep. or and I will and even so, sometimes you know he'll tell me something and and I still don't believe him and I will tell him like I know that you're right. I don't really believe you, but I I know what you're saying is right and it kind of comes back to like the feelings and the facts. So just even knowing, you know, this is what I feel and this is what I know to be true. Okay. Kind of. Okay. Yeah, so it's a lot of um it's it's insight really. Like you have to have the ability to not run with every feeling and and take that for what it is because most of it stems from somewhere completely different generally in the past and um you can't really project that on every situation currently yeah i that is a really interesting statement because it also it's like one thing that i'm realizing more and more is that everything seems to kind of be in contradiction and yeah. so it's like you do have to be able to mm -hmm. lean on yourself to to make the right call and like give give yourself the tools that you need to be able to look at a situation and properly assess it. Yeah. And that's difficult. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially because we all are basing our current experience on our past experiences. Yes. And so it does make it difficult to know what's what when, you know, everyone has their own level of perception and you can only really see through your own experiences yes and if you've grown up in an abusive atmosphere or a situation that is uh more uncommon mm -hmm. and actually less likely to happen you're still going to be looking back on that and being like well this is what always happened in the yeah. past yeah yep and where other people they don't they don't connect those dots at all because that hasn't been their experience yes oh yeah <laughs> You are it's very so, insightful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's honestly like it's taken me a while to even um, even be able to like acknowledge or admit that I'm insightful. Um, in the past, it was a little more difficult. I'm not sure if I even was as insightful in the past. To be honest, I'm not sure. It's been there's been a big change in the last two years. I got diagnosed about I don't know, maybe about two years ago now. Okay. And that was a huge turning point for me. Okay. So how, how was it? Um, so I was always a victim. Like before that, I was always, it was always, I knew that there was something wrong, quotation, air quote, wrong right. with me. Um, because I was always in these situations, um, intense relationships, friendship wise and intimate relationships. Um, sense of self is a very shifting and fleeting thing with borderline personality disorder um so different interests to like anything from different interests to um different the way that you dress the things that you're interested in who you want to be you know your your general sense of self shifts quite frequently um so like one day you're kind of like, I, you know, I really love reading and I really love hiking and that. And then yeah. the next day you're like, no, no, I actually am really into, is it like that? Yeah. Yeah. To, I mean, it, and it does vary for everybody, but it is okay. very common to see somebody with um, borderline personality disorders who make huge shifts 
frequently throughout their life. I mean, okay. that could be that could be day to day, that could be week to week, that could be month to month, year to year, even. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've known people to go from being like a drug addict to totally religious to totally not religious to even um as far as like sexual preference and things like that can also fluctuate because there's a lot of dysphoria and um and things like that associated with bpd so it's just everything and and you know like moving a lot even um changing jobs frequently um the way that you take care of yourself the way you take care of others just everything changes <laughs> pretty frequently so it's fairly inconsistent yeah yeah so for me when i was younger everything was just like that i mean con consistently inconsistent <laughs> <laughs> and uh i just had a lot of issues a lot of trouble connecting with people um and things like that and i just i always felt like i thought i had depression and anxiety yeah um, that's kind of what i thought and then for a while there i was wondering if i had bipolar disorder because that's something that's thrown around very loosely and there's a lot of misconceptions with uh, bo uh borderline personality disorder and bipolar i was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder at one point okay just because like I said, even in the medical community, there's just a lot of not knowing. So, um, yeah, because one of the things is like they're looking at you and how you behave and they're trying to yeah. like make an educated guess yeah. on what is so causing that. So borderline personality disorder, um, like I said, the emotional stability. So you can go through a series of highs and lows similar to uh, bipolar disorder. But bipolar disorder is generally very drawn out. It's longer. So... I was okay. diagnosed with rapid cycle, whatever that means. I haven't heard the term since, but okay. um, so they thought that I had bipolar disorder because I was constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. But um, with BPD, it's it could be minute to minute, like literally minute to minute, hour to hour. You can drastically change, like go from being on top of the world to absolutely suicidal and at your perceived lowest okay so the difference with that and bipolar disorder is usually drawn out a little bit more so people have like manic episodes or states that l can last days weeks or sometimes months mm -hmm. and vice versa the highs and the lows so right being diagnosed with bpd um i realized that it was all my fault and it was great <laughs> because okay. for the first time it was like i was always it was always like a sad, like, it's all my fault. And I would say that and I would kind of think it, but I, I, I wasn't owning it before I was diagnosed with BPD. So I'd say like, everything's all my fault, but I was projecting it, you know, kind of like either, well, it's really everyone else's fault or like no one is coming to my rescue or like if only people did this and no one's helping me do this. And like, it was just very much like I was the victim all the time and taking it out on everybody. I'd get really, really angry. And it was always everyone else's fault. Yeah. So when I realized I had borderline personality disorder, I did go through like about a two week period where I was like very much turned into the victim again and was like, it's really all my fault. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh, like just really upset about that. But then, I mean, the way that I think about it now is if it, if you are the victim, that means that other people outside of you are harming you in some way so 
you can't control that. Like you really have no control over what other people do. So if you go through your life thinking that, you know, um, it's not your fault, then you're always going to be the victim. But realizing that it was all it was it was all me, like I was doing everything was really, really empowering because I can change that. I can't decide what other people do to me. Oh, I love or that. around me but okay. knowing that like it it's literally all my fault okay so like what can I do about it whereas before it was like oh well I'm sad because of this or I'm mad because of this and it was just it's uh, it's all my fault so what am I gonna do about it kind of thing and that's really that was really like the first shift I think is realizing that I'm I'm the one that's harming myself so all I literally have to do is stop and I mean, it's not that easy when you break it down. Right. But overall, it is that easy. And once you figure that out, then I mean, you know, the hard part is addressing what you're doing to yourself, why, and then how to stop that. But I mean, in terms of like the overall theme, knowing that you're the one doing it means that you're the one that can stop. Ah. Oh. I love that. Yeah, it it it's helped. It's helped a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, I was just wondering, how how did you get diagnosed? So I actually, I kind of suspected that I had it myself. So like I said, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I was really upset with that. They actually put me on medication for bipolar disorder, which in hindsight was awful for me. I should have never been on, you know, I'm sure you're aware of like the, the dangers of taking medications that you're not supposed to be on. It's right. pretty obvious, I feel, but... um. So after a while, I stopped taking those medications because it, I felt like it was making me worse. It wasn't, it wasn't really doing anything um, other than making me in a kind of a fog or much more emotional when I was emotional. Okay. So okay. Um, a few years of that and um, a lot of really, really intense, toxic, um, bordering on abusive, intimate relationships and um just kind of like looking into things and so i had a few people in my life that were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and i never thought that i had that like i just i never i didn't know much about it and things like that and mm -hmm. i'm not entirely sure you know the exact moment when i started to question like maybe i have that <laughs> right but when i did start to look into it a bit more and originally I only did so because I knew people that had it right so my okay. way of thinking about it was like okay I don't understand why they're acting like this but like I know that they have this disorder so I should probably figure out what that is or I'm going to be confused um that's very and, smart yeah and after reading into it a little bit I was like uncomfortable <laughs> and okay. that's something I always try to say to or well tell myself is that if you hear something about yourself, so like if you hear, I mean, if somebody walks up to me and says like, hey, you're really overweight, it's it's not, I mean, I'm very, very petite. I'm very small. Right. I'm not going to be concerned with that. Right. Because I know that I'm not overweight. Right. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, you know, like you're way too skinny, I would be very defensive because I kind of feel like I might be and I don't really like 
that you're saying that. It's kind of like, well, I can insult myself, but you can't. Right. So okay. if somebody yep. says something or even if I read about something or some behavior or, um, you know, patterns of behavior or anything like that, and it kind of it's uncomfortable with me, I feel like I have to address that. Okay. Because if it's if it had nothing, if it had no meaning to me and it didn't, um, if I didn't relate to it at all, I don't think I'd feel anything emotionally towards it. So that's really when I started looking into the borderline personality disorder and it made me feel uncomfortable. And I was kind of like rejecting the information that I was reading. I was like, mm, maybe I have that. <laughs> okay. And so it was just a long time though of me being very unstable and eventually deciding to go back and seeing a mental health um, worker and they gave me a uh, like it's a, just a basic like a checklist I mean they talk to you a little bit too um ask you questions and things like that find out kind of like how you tick and right. how you react to things and um yeah so I was told originally I was told that I I show I think it's there's like nine nine uh, symptoms or you know characteristics of borderline and you have to fit like seven of them or something like that to be considered to have it okay so yeah and i i think i checked off every single every single one of them wow yeah okay. originally so, so it was yeah. like okay well this is pretty yeah. clear yeah but that's the the great thing as well about bpd is you can actually go into what a lot of people consider um, a form of like remission with it so it can very much be unlearned it's a oh. lot of core values and beliefs that can you can kind of undo in a way which is I, I love that <laughs> yeah love that for me <laughs> that is so encouraging yeah no and it and it's great and I, I do know a lot of people with BPD who would who will reject that information because without the insight it's they still are very much a victim and if they are a victim they're a victim to BPD as well right so um you know a lot of people really don't like hearing that too much but right, it is okay. very it's very possible so dialectal behavior therapy is one um really important thing that they use in the treatment as well as um cbt cognitive behavioral therapy yeah i i yeah. do that through yeah. tranquility online yeah Check yeah so Sorry. yeah no they're great and um another thing too that i've learned through just like reading like i've read a few different books um so mindfulness i mean mindfulness is great for anybody really right yeah but um mindfulness meditation actually strengthens your prefrontal cortex so your prefrontal cortex often with people that have bpd if they were to do a scan of my brain i probably have like an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex so it's like any muscle really you know if you're doing mindfulness meditation consistently you are literally physically kind of flexing that muscle and you know working the chemicals and things that come from that right so through that i mean you can strengthen your prefrontal cortex oh and my gosh once that so you know and that's kind of in control of a lot of your it's you know a few things but uh, importantly for this would be your impulse control so you know people yes. with bpd can be very very impulsive you know with things they do with themselves or how they react to others and so it can help a lot <laughs> that's amazing yeah it's pretty cool science right? <laughs> yeah it's cool who knew science yeah. is actually interesting yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> that's so cool yeah and then so that's some of the treatment i assume medication is an option it is an option um what i've generally learned through reading and just through talking with healthcare professionals that are more um 
informed on borderline personality disorder Mm -hmm. medication is kind of it's going to help you deal with the symptoms okay of the borderline personality disorder but it it, so it's going to treat the symptoms but it's not going to treat the disorder okay so i mean it it 100 is an option and you know a lot of people do to go that route um i personally don't i kind of have my own qualms with the um, pharmaceutical industry okay that's like a whole other novel <laughs> um <laughs> so uh i personally don't go that route um i just try to deal with the symptoms on my own okay. um by education you know using insight and um self-control is a is a huge part of it yeah yeah i could imagine yeah it's it yeah <laughs> there's a lot a lot of times um you know almost every day yeah. There's times where, like, I have to really, you know, they say, bite your tongue <laughs> or whatever the, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And not reacting on your own, your own um, experiences from your own experiences and reacting in the experience that you're experiencing in the moment. <coughs> oh, not reacting from your past experiences, but reacting to what is actually happening. It, would that be like um, learning to trust your your gut or would trusting your gut have to do in with my, what? In my personal opinion, for borderline, for uh, pertaining to the way that I experience it, trusting your gut is a bad idea. Okay. okay. <laughs> because my gut is telling me to, you know react based off the past based off my past experiences right and so that's where mindfulness comes into play a lot as well like not even just long term but short term is being aware of okay what's happening right now yeah and how do I react to what is happening right now and not as reacting to you know how I'm feeling based off something that happened in the past that could be reflective of the situation right now so it's like trying to make that really quick assessment is am I reacting from something that I've experienced in the past or am I okay definitely and that must take a lot of practice yeah yeah that would yeah okay I want to go back to what you said about the abandonment issues how they're the difference between true you said true abandonment was it yeah okay so yeah let's I learned that I listened to a wonderful podcast about it's called the last symptom of borderline personality disorder and it's by Brian Barnett okay and I would highly recommend it he says a lot of things that I that if you have BPD you do not want to hear. There's so many times I literally like threw my headphones and was like, he's he's full of it, and I'm not even gonna listen to that because it. But again, that's where I had to really practice. Like, okay, if it makes me feel uncomfortable or like defensive, there's probably a reason for that. Right. So okay. that's kind of where I learned that. Um, and then I mean, after kind of you know using it in my own life. Um, the the idea of being abandoned is dangerous because that makes you kind of make yourself and put yourself into like a, a position of hopelessness and helplessness. So, I mean, a child can be abandoned because a child relies on adults to take care of them. Right. Without adults, a child cannot take care of themselves financially. They can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't emotionally even. They don't have the tools to take care of themselves right or get themselves through things animals if you have you know um not wild animals obviously but any um domesticated animal they can be 
100% abandoned because again, they don't have the skills. If somebody has like a, a mental or a physical disability to the point, they can also be abandoned. Right. Um, but like me, I, I can't, I can't say that I've been, I can be abandoned. And that's something that I have to think of when I'm starting to feel like I'm being abandoned. So like if a friend is kind of distancing themselves or even just the fear of abandonment, like constantly worrying like, okay, is the person I love going to leave me? Is yeah. my family not going to talk to me anymore? And things like that. I mean, I can't be abandoned because I am totally perfectly capable of taking care of myself it might be difficult to do but the idea that um somebody can be abandoned is just it's just false unless you know you are a child an animal or in some way incapacitated to take care of yourself and i just think that it's kind of dangerous and it's especially in the bpd community it's thrown around a lot of like you know oh my my boyfriend just left me and I'm not handling the abandonment well, that puts yourself in such a vulnerable place and nobody's doing that to you but you or anybody else around you that's allowing you to think like that. Yes, you've been abandoned. Absolutely not. You can you can 100% take care of yourself. And I think that it's kind of dangerous because especially with BPD, we have a tendency to more so lean on other people um, in unhealthy ways. Um, so people, a lot of times people with BPD have what's called a favorite person. Um, so that's one person that they feel like they cannot live without. It hurts physically to be without them um, and things like that. And that's not healthy. And feeling like you absolutely depend on any person for your overall well-being to take care of you, that's not healthy. And it's not productive at all and I it really bothers me to see and hear so many people accepting this idea of like I've been abandoned as a as a grown adult um I don't think it's possible huh okay yeah if that that sentiment rubs a lot of people the wrong way um and and rightfully so I feel like at some point I mean I might have even not appreciated that information um but no, I, I, I really feel like if you if you allow yourself to think that you can be abandoned, then you are turning your putting yourself in that victim position. And it comes all back to it's it's not my fault. It's everyone else's fault. That's so, true. Eh? Yeah. That's the way I think about it anyway. Yeah. I mean, Brian Barnett on um, The Last Symptom of border, uh, Borderline Personality Disorder, he explains it much better than I. That's just kind of my my take on it yeah yeah thanks for sharing that <laughs> i think that it's really important to have these points of view presented because it you need to be able to consider these yeah right? i think that's very important so and i th i think that you talk through it actually quite well so thank thanks. you <laughs> so we wanted to kind of briefly touch on um the use of marijuana yeah. and mental illness. We have about five minutes to do that. So cool. Do you think that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's do that. And then, um, so and then we'll sign off. I smoked marijuana for about 12 years. I mean, mind you, I started really young. I'm only 24 and I've quit for a few months now. So I started when I was about 12. Okay. 10 out of 10 would not recommend, even if you are pro marijuana. I'm not against marijuana whatsoever. I shouldn't say that at all. Okay. 
Um, so I just feel like, especially now that it's been legalized, there's so much focus on all the benefits that it does and um, that it has. And I'm not against that whatsoever. I know some people that really, really do need it. Um, but for example, myself, I continued to smoke it for 12 years, having extremely negative side effects because I only ever had people telling me that it was good for me and um, that it will help anxiety and that it helps depression and that it helps you sleep and that it helps you eat. And, uh, you know, you hear all these all these positives about it. But um, I feel like it's doing marijuana an injustice, really, to only discuss the good parts of it, because then you are going to have people that are against marijuana saying, oh, well, you know, they, they say it's all good, but, you know, look at examples A, B, and C of where it's gone terribly wrong. So, I mean, for me personally, um, if I smoke marijuana, I experience paranoia, um, which, you know, people say, oh, that's that's common. But um, if you have an underlying issue, that is very, very serious. So when I was smoking it every day, I mean, I used to get paranoid and and almost like delusions to the point, you know, I was covering up windows like with blankets and things, um, putting tape over cameras, microphones, like couldn't leave the house, um, losing a lot of weight. I had trouble eating troubles. I mean, it just every, every single aspect of my life, it made me, I could, I could smoke a joint and get like enraged, like very, very angry and emotional. Um, and, you know, I know a few people that, that have these similar experiences. And again, marijuana is a wonderful um, option for so many people, um, you know, as are a lot of things, though. And I just feel like it's important for us to talk about the negative side effects of it as much as it is the positive. Because if we only focus on the positive, then when the negative things do arise, it's going to kind of paint the entire movement with, um, you know, in, in a bad light. Because if somebody comes to you as a person and, and says, you know, I have no faults, I'm perfect, everything that I do is perfect, everything that I do is great, there's nothing negative about me, you're, you're going to kind of not believe them right right yeah so yeah I I and I think it's similar with that um just in the way that it's important to discuss the cons as much as it is the pros um so just for people that do have maybe potentially underlying issues um or who are still smoking it regardless of the negative side effects that they feel yeah I didn't even really attribute it to marijuana for the longest time I smoked it so much so consistently for so long um, when I, now that I've stopped smoking it for a few months now, it's like a 180. Like okay. I am drastically less paranoid, less anxious. I, I can do a plethora of things that I never could do back when I smoked weed. And I just think that it's important, especially for young people who, um, who are just starting out and like, you know, if, if their friends do it or, and, and all have positive experience, it kind of, you know. It, it seems like sometimes like there it's it's so praised that it's hard to stop because it's hard to even admit that they're it's from the marijuana necessarily right so yeah I just just wanted to touch on that um, if if anyone happens to be smoking it and you're experiencing negative side effects like that's very serious like in and, and you should you should stop and see if it if your problems kind of um, are alleviated with with that
Uh, okay. Yeah, I think that's really wise too because it's like <laughs> it's just like with any other like medication or treatment. Yeah. Not it's not one is going mm-hmm. to be perfect for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> this was really insightful, and I really enjoyed being able to talk about some of what you like your experience with BPD and marijuana at the end there. I think that it's really useful to be able to have these conversations because that's what helps people see, like, you know, it just kind of helps the picture, right? Like, um, you see more of the picture. And like I said, like, um, you know, people with BPD, um, a lot of times they keep it to themselves and just generally as a society, you don't hear about it very often. So the more, and everybody is different. So the more experiences, the better. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And everybody listening, thank you so much. Um, And just know that wherever you are, we're sitting here loving you. Oh, so sweet. I know. (laughs) So have a good morning, afternoon, evening, night, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye.